Hello. Today, we are speaking with Callie Callahan, who is a certified homeopath in Maine, USA. She became drawn to homeopathy after she witnessed the power of this natural medicine while home prescribing remedies for her children. She studied at the Baylight Center for Homeopathy and did her advanced training at Dynamis School for Advanced Homeopathy. She is the host of the podcast 1M, a homeopaths podcast, and she is on the faculty of the Academy of Homeopathy Education. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Homeopathy Hangouts. Today, we are hanging out with board-certified homeopath Kelly Callahan, who also has the most fun name to say ever. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. Thank you. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. So um, Kelly is not just a homeopath and teacher, but she is also the host of a wonderful podcast called 1M, a homeopaths podcast. And Kelly, you were my absolute inspiration for starting this podcast. I am a huge fan. I've listened to pretty much all of your episodes and uh, in fact, I was listening to your interview with Al and Denise this morning in the car on the way to work. Um, I'm interviewing them tomorrow. And not just have you like completely inspired me for the day, but I now have your jingle stuck in my head. It's a good one, yeah. <laughs> it is a good one. Um, can you start off by telling us a bit about your background, how you got into homeopathy and how you started your podcast? Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in Maine, which is on the northeast, most northeastern state in the U.S. And so I was just outside in nature a lot. I was really into environmental studies and and just, yeah, just doing natural stuff. And so I think I just naturally would gravitate more towards natural health things, being interested in leading a healthy lifestyle, et cetera. And so I got into herbalism first, actually kind of more in college. And then, and and I do have an episode on this actually with my husband. My husband was kind of the first person who kind of set me straight about homeopathy. I thought I knew what it was. And he was like, no, that's not what it is. (laughs) I was doing the classic mistake of mixing it up with herbs. And his, his dad was a vet who learned homeopathy with Richard Pitcairn. Um, to use in his veterinary practice. And so he was a little bit familiar with it and kind of cleared up some misconceptions I had. Um, and then that was kind of it. And then when we got married and had our first child, I, you know, I had a home birth and I knew I wanted to do things naturally. And we moved from California to Maine. And when I got here, I was like, well, I need to find a homeopath. And I, I didn't really know what that meant or what it would entail, but there happened to be a really great MD homeopath in town. And so we got started with him and it was great. I, I really took to it and I was really amazed at the results. And especially when my, my second child, when my son was born, he, he needed a remedy like right away. And a remedy I happened to have, even though I, I wasn't really studying a lot, I had just kind of collected a few that, you know, our homeopath had suggested. And, and it was kind of a, an, 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 one of those instantaneous moments where he was screaming, screaming, screaming. And then the midwife was like, do you have aconite? And I was like, I, I think I do. And so she gave aconite and he like immediately stopped screaming. And I was like, wow, okay, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. A more amazing experience than the experiences I, I had already had. So I just got Miranda Castro's book and started using it as a mom, as so many of us do, and realized I really wanted to study it. And I was lucky enough that there was a, a school about an hour and a half from me, Nancy Frederick, who's senior practitioner, longtime amazing practitioner, and uh, just a bunch of us sat in her living room and, and she taught us. And so I started there and yeah, pretty much haven't looked back. 
Wow. And you know, that story that you've just said is so powerful because so many of us mothers, that's why we get into homeopathy because we experience these incredible results with our children. And of course, they don't know anything about placebo. They just know that they're in pain. Then they get given something lovely and sweet on their tongue. And the next moment that pain is gone. So (laughs) it's so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And um, then how did you end up starting your podcast? So I graduated from my my first professional program. And then within about a year or so, I was studying to take the exam. Without a a year or so, I um, enrolled in Jeremy Scherer's Dynamis program, which is an an advanced um, kind of postgraduate three-year program. And about two years into that, um, I had a little bit of a kind of a health issue myself. And I had been thinking about doing a podcast for a while. I listened to a bunch of podcasts and there just there there wasn't anything about homeopathy. And I, I really wanted to listen to something that was, you know, the most important thing that I was doing. And so I think, you know, sometimes when you go through something with your health, it shakes things up a little bit. And I was like, kind of came through it. And I was like, you know what, like, I'm, I'm just going to start this podcast. I've been thinking about it and I, I decided to do it. So I kind of hatched the idea maybe in October and I gave myself a deadline. I said, okay, by January 1st, I'm going to, I'm going to release my first episode. And, and it, yeah, I just kind of jumped, jumped in, you know, I didn't know if it would be of interest to anybody. I didn't know. I, I was like, if 50 people listen to it, I'd be happy if one, you know, it was, it was really, I was doing it really for me. And, um, and it certainly became something bigger and, and much more than I had anticipated. Amazing. Um, now in your clinical practice, uh, what sort of cases do you enjoy treating? Have you got any specialties? Um, just tell us a little bit about homeopathy and what you love about it and what sort of things inspire you about it. Yeah. So I have to say, I, I'm also, you know, I am quite interested in kind of the entrepreneurial side of, of having a practice and having a little business. And, and so the idea of kind of specializing or having a niche is, is always highly recommended because, you know, you can kind of speak directly to people who are looking to find you. But I found that I have a really hard time doing that because one of the things I love about homeopathy is how it's an option for everybody. And I really, I'm somebody who really likes diversity. I like not always knowing what I'm going to get when I am sitting down with somebody for a consult. I like variety. And so Mm -hmm. it's really hard for me to say, well, I only want to work with kids or I'm just going to work with women, et cetera. And I certainly understand why, why people do that. Cause sometimes we do get really pulled in and, and, you know, maybe have our own personal preferences. So we want to, we want to work with a particular, you know, set of, of circumstances or symptoms with people. But for me, I, I just, I'll see anybody. (laughs) And that's what I love about it. You know, and that being said, I I do have a lot of families in my practice, a lot of kids. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. just, it's just such an easy way for people to step into homeopathy. And I love that because I I really enjoy working with kids. You know, I homeschooled my own kids and I was a teacher. So, you know, working with families is really comfortable for me. But I, I also really love, you know, the, the men that come through my practice and the childless individuals and, Mm -hmm. you know, people who have, who are dealing with like really significant physical pathology, but also people who are maybe just a little stuck in their lives and they don't really have anything physically that's challenging for them at the time, but they're Mm -hmm. in a transition or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe dealing with some more kind of, you know, mental or spiritual issues. And, and I really love that homeopathy can, can meet people where, wherever they're at. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we have something else in common there. Um, I homeschooled my children for two years as well. I don't have any teaching experience, but my mum was a teacher for 40 years, so I'm a a child of a teacher. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it was wonderful homeschooling them. They're both in a Steiner school now, but it was just such a beautiful experience connecting with them. And, um, yeah, it was just really lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I love that you treat men as well. I only treat women and children, but um, I feel a little bit sorry for the men sometimes because I feel homeopaths are very unrepresented in the male department. We really need more male homeopaths desperately. It feels like whenever you look at, you know, the cohorts that go through, even at uh, AHE where uh, you you teach as well, you just see all these females and there's hardly any male homeopaths. So I hope there's a guy listening to this and feeling inspired to study homeopathy because we really need some men, don't we? It's true. we, We are very well represented by women. But I, I do want to point out that when you look at who publishes and who presents, mm-hmm. that is disproportionately represented by men, it which really is, is true yeah. in a lot of professions. So mm-hmm. I don't know specifically why that is, but I would I would certainly encourage all of the homeopaths who are women or, you know, to, to, to publish and to teach. And I mean, we do a lot of the work and um, it, it'd be great to have our, to have our voices and our, our kind of clinical experiences um, really well, well known and well recognized. Absolutely. I think that's probably a whole other topic that we could delve a little bit into, uh, you know, in a separate podcast about why us women have trouble speaking up and having our voices heard. I think that's a, a whole other, other discussion in itself just about, Hey, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your teaching roles. What do you enjoy about teaching homeopathy? Uh, what challenges has it presented for you? And um, yeah, maybe some success stories of some of your students. Yeah. So like I said, I, I have a background in teaching kind of straight back into college. I I did like wilderness expeditions. So I, I kind of taught in the mountains and the back country working with all ages kids. And I did ropes courses with corporate groups. And, um, and so that really led me to want to do more experiential education and, and less kind of sitting down at the desk type teaching. But I did get my, my teaching credential and I worked with middle school, which I love. I know it'd be a challenging <laughs> age for a lot of people, but I really loved it. And yeah, just as much as possible, tried to make you know, learning experiences be really, really active and hands-on and draw from, you know, the student's own experience. And, and it's just something that's just stayed with me. And I didn't know when I got into homeopathy, if teaching was something that I would do, I had kind of given it up when I had my kids, because I really did want to be home with them. Um, And so I, I got my first opportunity after I graduated to go back and teach at the school I, I had gone to myself at Baylight you know, first just doing a weekend seminar and then coming in and helping out on some clinics. And then Nancy, you know, brought me in really to be her co-teacher. So for a couple of years, I I co-taught with her and did, handled most of the, the clinical teaching and the philosophy. Um, her love is Materia Medica and mm-hmm. she's amazing at it and um, is a very close student of Lou Klein and Jan Scholten. Mm-hmm. And so she's very much embedded in that work, um, which is, you know, a, a more advanced approach in a lot of ways. So, and, and just being a senior practitioner, I mean, that's really where she was kind of shining at the time. And so it made sense to to bring me in where I was, 
you know, kind of closer, you know, graduated and had some years under my belt, belt, but, but closer to the experience of students trying to kind of, how do I work my way around a case? How do I mm-hmm. repertorize and all that stuff? Um, so I think we complemented each other really well. And so we worked for her for a couple of years and then COVID hit. Well, actually I, I did the, I did the podcast with Denise and Alan. We all really hit it off and they were looking for some, some adjunct faculty. And so I, I started doing some classes with them simultaneously while I was also teaching at Baylight. Baylight was in person on the weekends, one weekend a month. And then I would do some online classes with AHE a couple times a month. And then when COVID hit, Baylight, you know, we had to stop as everybody did. And we, we managed to finish out our year online. But at that point, it became really clear that Nancy was ready to retire and ready to move on. So the school closed which freed me up to do a lot more teaching with AHE. So I... So we'll, just, um, we'll give them a little plug. So AHE is uh, Academy yeah. for Homeopathic Education. And um, yeah, so just Google them and we'll have a separate podcast for them in a couple of episodes. <laughs> yeah, we'll give them, give them a little free plug. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> so many great things happening there. And yeah, so over there, I get to do a little bit of everything, which like I said, I like diversity, I like variety. So I teach some clinical classes, or I help out in the clinic, um, do a little bit of supervision within the clinic, but also with students who have graduated and are are working on their um, clinical supervision hours that are required for their graduation. Mm-hmm. teach some philosophy, some repertory, some materia medica, some therapeutics, a little bit of all of it. And yeah, I've just been been really lucky to find myself a part of that community and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and keep teaching. Lucky, synchronicity. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, call it what you sure. like. Wonderful. Well, you are absolutely a natural teacher because in your podcast, I love the little, you know, you have quite a long intro where you're discussing things and talking about things and teaching things. And you just have such a natural teaching style about you. Um that's just wonderful. And in your podcast with Al, you guys talk about, you know, you mentioned about the difference between teaching and learning. So I don't know if I should call it a learning style because it's just so easy to learn from you. You are just very good at sharing information. So I have to give you a big kudos for that. Hmm, um, so with your students, um, is there anything in particular that you find is really an aha moment for them? Like when do you really see those lights going on for them when you're teaching homeopathy? Oh, yeah, so many. I mean, the thing about homeopathy is that, you know, you you keep circling around and circling around and circling around. And, you know, the concepts that you think you really understand, you know, maybe the the most simplistic foundational concepts like, you know, the minimum dose and even like Mm -hmm. here's like, you know, these things are like, oh, yeah, that's how it works. The deeper you go, the deeper those simple concepts get. So. You know, obviously in the beginning when somebody first starts, you know, it's, it's kind of eye-opening just one thing after another, because most people come into it with a little bit of experience, you know, like I did, like you're a mom or, Mm -hmm. you know, you've tried a few remedies and, but when you kind of get dropped in the deep end of the pool and you start learning the philosophy and you start seeing the remedies in their bigger sphere of action than maybe just how you've used them at home for first aid and whatnot, it just, it's just this incredible expansion that happens Mm -hmm. and it keeps happening because Mm -hmm. you can go as deep as you want with this stuff really. 
you know, you could learn the same remedy with six different teachers and learn something new about it each time. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think, you know, one of the things that happens is, is I see students being engaged with something that they thought that they knew and then hearing it in a new way or having a new layer unpeeled. And that's when they're like, Oh, Whoa, you know, I Mm -hmm. I thought I knew that, you know, and I didn't, or I thought I I knew, I I thought I understood the depth of it and there's more, even more. And um, Mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Mm -hmm. that. I love when you say that you um, love a lot of variety. I'm exactly the same. I always joke that I get bored so easily um, and homeopathy is the one thing that has held my attention for over a decade now. And I feel right. like if I had, uh, you know, a dozen lifetimes, I couldn't even start to learn, you know, the first part of homeopathy. Uh, just before our interview this morning, I was looking through a couple of books on my shelf and I realized there's like five or six new books that I've purchased that's sitting there. And I am just like dying to read them because I knew this is, there's just all this new knowledge that's going to be in there, but I have all these other courses that I still have to do. And, you know, this homeopathy is just so massive. There's so much that you can learn. You could never, ever in dozens of lifetimes learn everything that there is to learn. And like you say, that you think you know something and then you get to learn a little bit deeper and you realize it's just uh, so expansive and never ending. Um, yeah, it can sometimes almost seem a little bit overwhelming. And then I kind of bring myself back to, okay, just, you know, back to basics. <laughs> but yeah, homeopathy is really, um, yeah, has so many opportunities and so expansive, like you said, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about, you know, the, the types of students that you have there. What would you say to somebody who is thinking about studying homeopathy? So one of my main reasons for starting this podcast is I have a group of uh, over 700 mums who have all completed my introduction to homeopathy course. It's only an hour and 40 minutes, but uh, several of them have now gone on to study homeopathy. They're kind of just, you know, doing little introductory courses here and there and, you know, kind of dabbling with it. So what would you say to somebody who is considering studying homeopathy? They might have had some good results with, you know, a few first aid type remedies at home and they are considering taking it further. Um, have you got any messages for them or any words of encouragement? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great to to keep, you know, keep learning, keep going in as far as you, you know, feel called to do. I mean, you know, just studying homeopathy, it's it's more than just the content. Like I, one of the things I think about students who start like a four-year program is you're, you're kind of, the education itself is like a remedy, right? It's like mm-hmm. you, you are going to be transformed in the process of, of learning this as, as a discipline, as a profession. And I guess, you know, that's, I think a distinction that is important to make is that the practice of homeopathy as a profession really is, it's a medical science, you know, and it's quite different than treating, you know, first aid and acute things at home. And you can go really far with that. I mean, I don't think you could, I mean, I think Alistair said that when they did a first aid and acute care course in New Zealand, it was something like, gosh, I want to, I don't want to butcher, but but something like 1500 hours or something. It is. I mean, it's, it's really significant. So, you know, I think you can know that like, what I really want to do is just be able to treat things for my family and friends. And like I said, it's like, you can just keep, you can just become a 
amazing first aid and acute prescriber um, Mm -hmm. and know a lot and, and stay within that scope, you know, and, and just know that if you, if you look at professional programs, that really what, what you're doing is you're choosing a career. You know, yeah. you're, you're choosing a, a practice, a profession. Now that isn't to say that people, that there are certainly people who choose to dedicate four years or three years or however they do it and, and don't practice. They just want that intensity and that level. I, I mm-hmm. went to school with several people who didn't actually end up practicing. They were in it for the mm-hmm. philosophy and they were in it for that transformation that happens when you just learn it. But I do think there's a moment when a lot of people who have done, you know, kind of stuff at home make the leap into professional program. And it's like, whoa, I didn't know it was this much (laughs) that -hmm. it was this deep. And, and so it's just something to, to think about, you know, what do you, what do you want to do with it? And, Mm -hmm. and, and really sit with that, you know, because you can, you can stay in the world of homeopathy and study and go deep and, Mm -hmm. and be, like I said, an amazing first aid and acute prescriber. You don't always have to go into the professional route. It is a different beast. It is. Yeah. And um, I think if you do end up going that professional route, one of the most unexpected benefits I have received from being a homeopath is that my patients are actually my biggest teachers. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how much we learn from our, our patients or clients, or however you refer to them. And um, the healing that happens, like sometimes I feel like, I'm actually healing through my clients and they come in and they share their stories and you can identify with so much of that and heal in the process yourself. Yeah. It's such a transformative process. I feel. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I had a a conversation with one of my students recently who's, you know, graduated and she's just, you know, getting started and she's like, Oh my God, I saw three clients today and I'm just wasted, you know? And, and it's just, you're definitely like, yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I can't say enough about what I feel like I benefit from engaging with clients and Mm -hmm. it's also, you're holding a lot of space, you know? And so there's Mm -hmm. a, you know, there's a whole side of kind of, you know, self-care and, Mm -hmm. you know, and just being aware of how, how it impacts you to, you know, to hold, hold that healing for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I actually have a lot of my clients, um, psychic or very sensitive or are healers themselves Mm -hmm. and also fellow homeopaths Mm -hmm. and have you ever heard of the remedy vernix yep yeah it's such a great one i've actually found that remedy really helpful for people who uh, do a lot of healing work themselves and then taking this remedy to help uh, protect their own energetic field Mm -hmm. so yeah it's been such a good remedy just off the bat you just made me think of that when you said about you know caring for ourselves and that's something else that I'm very passionate about is that um when this is a little bit offbeat but when it comes to the medical profession you know you have a five or ten minute appointment with your doctor you're in and out and they see dozens of people every single day back to back and that's where homeopathy is the complete opposite. We're sitting there with our client for an hour and a half, sometimes even two hours, really getting into the nitty gritty of it to really be able to help them. And like you say, sometimes it can really take a lot out of you. And um, I feel if the medical profession can learn a little bit from us, spend a bit more time with the clients and really get to know them and you know get to help them on a deeper level, I just think our whole medical system would be so much better. Uh, more helpful as well, instead of just in and out like a sausage factory. But that's mm-hmm. also a topic for another day, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but homeopathy really has a lot of um, 
a lot of its strength comes in the fact that we are spending so much time with our clients and really getting getting to know them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with your practice at home, uh, is there, you know, have you got any um, stories that you'd like to share, any wins, um, anything else that you really enjoy about practicing? Oh, gosh. So many things. <laughs> so um, many. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 always hard for me when I kind of like in the moment to come up with specific examples, it's easier for me to think, yes. talk about, um, maybe not specific cases, but just kind of the moments that can up, come up that I really like, like when, and this is something that, you know, happens frequently, you know, you, you to learn to take really good notes. <laughs> yes. Um, and you know, I always say like our, our job depends on, on the quality and the consistency of our notes because mm-hmm. people do not remember what they told you. And as they're healing, they don't remember what was wrong with them. Um, Jeremy mm-hmm. Scherer has a great quote. He says, uh, healing is forgetting. And so when, <laughs> when somebody comes to you a month later after they've been on a remedy, you know, how are things? They're, they're great. They're fine. Okay. Yeah. What, what's, what's going on? I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could tell me, I don't remember. <laughs> I mean, you know, those are the best ones, but, but, you know, I'll kind of go through my, my my list. How's this? Oh, that's fine. Oh, really? Did I mention that? Oh yeah. That hasn't happened in a while. Oh yeah. No, that's only happened like once. I mean, it's just kind of thing after thing and, and people really don't remember. I love that. And if I had a dollar for every time somebody said, you take really good notes, (laughs) I wouldn't remember all that. I was like, yeah, my fees would probably double. Um, (laughs) so I, I really, I really love that. I really love you know, we often ask about like people's dreams, you know, that's something that we do. And sometimes it's relevant and sometimes it's not. And I have to say, one of my favorite things is in a case where somebody has a really, a dream that's really indicative of their state or their situation that's going on. And then when it shifts after they had a good remedy, I'm just thinking of somebody I had recently who, you know, dealt with some, some challenging issues in their childhood and and had a lot of really scary and, and just disempowering dreams about, um, Mm -hmm. one of their parents. And after being on a remedy for a while, you know, started talking about dreams that had a completely different flavor. Like I was standing up for myself in the dream. I was, you know, usually I would run away in the dream, but instead I was doing something totally different. And, Mm -hmm. and I, I really, I really love those moments. They just feel like these little hidden gems. And I love that we value that. You know, I value when somebody's skin stops itching and when their mm-hmm. headaches are less intense and less frequent and, you know, all of those things. And and when I can get a glimpse into that deeper state that's shifted, I just think like, oh, yes, good. You know, it just it just helps me feel like we're really helping the homeopathy yeah. reach them at, at the deepest level. Yeah. It's funny because you can speak with homeopaths all over the world and they will all echo what you have just said. Oh, really? And um, <laughs> I, I luckily, you know, I always joke and say the two things I learned from school was touch typing and we still had typewriters in my day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I can touch type. And the other thing is learning how to make a white sauce. <laughs> my two helpful things I learned from school. But um, I touch type as my client speaking and um it's wonderful exactly what you've just said. Like you'll read those notes back to them and I'll say, okay, so you said this and this and this. And they're like, oh, wow, no, I don't have that at all. And it's it has got to be one of the most satisfying things ever because they come in and they'll say, oh, no, not much has changed. And then you'll say, oh, well, how is that, um, you know, recurring cough that you would have every evening? 
oh yeah, I haven't had that. <laughs> you know, it's just so right. funny. If, like once again, if I had a dollar, every time somebody said that, uh, I'd be a millionaire by now, but it is yeah. very funny. Yeah. yeah. So something else that um, I was actually going to say is that what you said about the dreams, I have exactly the same story of a client of mine who was having recurring dreams about her mother uh, yelling at her in her dreams. The mother had already passed away, but you know, she had kept on having these dreams. She's in her sixties, still having dreams most night about her mum telling her off. And then after her remedy, she came back and I said, how's your dreams going these days? And she said, actually, I had this dream and it was with my mum and she went to tell me off and I was able to stand up for myself in this dream. And Mm -hmm. it was just so magical. Like, I don't know what other therapy in the world can, can help you with something like this. It's healing on such a deep level. And um, we obviously have lots of books in homeopathy about dreams and symbolisms. And I'm trying to think of the author now. I have the that I have the book, it's probably, it'll be here somewhere, um, about dreams and symbolism and homeopathy. Yeah. It's actually very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about your podcast and what you've enjoyed about it and um, if there's any particular interviews that stand out for you and, um, yeah, just some of the things that you've really enjoyed about it? Yeah. So it's, the podcast is a little bit like me, it can be a little bit scattered. (laughs) And I can kind of like get an idea and be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for a while. And then I'll be like, oh, well, actually, now I want to focus on this. And but in (laughs) in the beginning, I was really inspired by this podcast I've listened to for a long time called This American Life, which is kind of like a little Mm -hmm. bit of a variety show, like, they'll pick a theme, and then they'll have a, a series of short vignettes within the hour that explore that theme. And sometimes from a really kind of you know, sideways point of view. And so for the first year, that's what I did was I picked a theme and I explored that theme through an interview with somebody, some materia medica and some kind of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and one of my favorites still is the the first one I did on dying. And I, I interviewed a local homeopath here in Maine who, who works um, with people in hospice to provide homeopathy in their death. And she started mm-hmm. this nonprofit called It's My Death. And just Val is just an amazing human. And I just loved what she was doing. And then I read this piece that Greg Bedane had written in one of the naturopathic journals about going to visit Kent's grave. Mm-hmm. And then I can't remember what the what the remedies were, but I just there was something about that episode that really kind of pulled together for me exactly what I was trying to do because for me, homeopathy, it touches so many different things that I really, I really wanted that, that richness of mm-hmm. how it reaches into all these different corners. So I really, I really loved doing the, that first chunk where I did that. And then, you know, I got busy cause I started this when I was you know, I'd only really been in practice for a couple of years. And because my kids were homeschooling, I I kept my practice small and I had more time then. And so as I got busier, I had less time to pull together an episode like that. So I shifted into just doing, you know, doing an interview based. And then every once in a while, I would do a full episode on some piece of philosophy or materia medica or something that was kind Mm -hmm. of coming up for me in my practice. And one of the things that was really important to me was you know, being a teacher was, I I wanted my learning to be visible. Like I wanted to Mm -hmm. dispel the idea that we, you know, kind of graduate and know it all and that we don't struggle or what it, what does it look like to keep going deeper and to learn more? And I wanted to reveal that I was never trying to put myself out there as like, 
hey, I'm talking to you because I've got it all figured out, you know? And so, you know, one year I did a whole, the kind of background theme was on failure. Cause I actually think we learn the most from our cases that don't go well, you know, when people Absolutely. do come back and they say, yeah, you know what, nothing's changed. Or I had a terrible aggravation and now, you know, not only is it worse, but I've got this, you know, this bag full of other symptoms. Like, you know, we all have those cases, you know, mm-hmm. it's the old kind of 2080 rule, like 20% of your cases will take up 80% of your time. I have my mm-hmm. 20% of cases and I'm constantly, you know, trying to figure out what is going on. And so I, I really feel like sometimes we don't talk about that enough. You know, you go to a webinar or a seminar or something and it's all the like, Oh, this case, you know, one remedy solved all their problems. And th- that happens, you know, we get some one remedy wonders, but for the most part, that isn't uh, how it goes. It's a process. So, you know, I wanted to explore that issue. Um, I did a, a series where I, I met with Roger Van Zandvoort from Complete Dynamics um, in Thailand. He was so sweet to meet with me regularly. And I was really, I, I didn't learn a lot of repertorization very well when I was in school. So he really kind of helped me fall in love with the repertory and kind of set me straight on a lot of things, little misconceptions I had and taught me some great tricks. So it, it kind of bebopped around just depending on what was coming up for me in practice. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, getting back to the idea of like the importance to me of experiential learning. I want to learn and explore things that are relevant in the moment, not like some pre-prescribed set of, you know, this is what I think people will like. Um, ultimately, mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing it for people like me. I was doing it for myself. And if other people happened to like it, that was great. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Um, that's literally why I'm doing this podcast because mm-hmm. I know you're on a bit of a hiatus at the moment and I've really missed listening to you. Oh, <laughs> so I've just, I've realized I need to create some content to listen to in the car because I have a 40 minute drive each way every day. So yeah. it's almost an hour and a half of driving every day and uh, homeopathy is my life. So I want to listen to podcasts that talk about it and get the message out there. So <laughs> yeah, you have just unpacked a lot in what you've just said. Um, I was just going to say that Um, because this podcast is aimed more at the general public, um, you mentioned about Kent's grave. And I was going to say to the listeners that Kent is probably one of our most famous homeopaths. And so I'm guessing it's his grave that you were talking about. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Um, The other thing is um, I'm really, one of my goals is to get more uh, mothers into learning homeopathy and using it for themselves. And I love what you said that you could run your practice alongside homeschooling your children. And that for me was such a big selling point because, uh, you know, my children are now, oh, I'll have a 10 year old next week. It's very exciting, double digits mm-hmm. and uh, almost seven year old. And I could use homeopathy, you know, alongside however it suited me alongside raising my children so I also homeschooled for two years and then just did a couple of days of um of clinic alongside that and when they were younger you know I I I had a little bit of a break for a while and I could always use homeopathy I could always keep my you know keep my hands in the pie or whatever the expression is always keep it alongside raising my children and now that they are um, much older I can just go for it and it's been wonderful to have that alongside so any mums considering studying homeopathy go for it you can do it alongside raising your children absolutely I mean I, I think <laughs> sometimes there's this feeling that like oh you know I gotta get out and I gotta get busy and and actually I, I think you need to take it slow I, I really yes. loved those years when I I really only saw maybe you know there are some weeks I didn't see anybody you know, yeah. and then there were weeks where I, you know, saw a handful of people and, you know, getting back to that depth idea, like it, it takes time to integrate it. And, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the succussion dilution, you know, it's like mm-hmm. we get succussed and we get diluted and, you know, the dilution is really in the time, you know, like, yes, we don't need to rush into this. Yes. There's, there's a lot to learn and you're not going to learn it all in a year mm-hmm. or two years or four years. You know, there's mm-hmm. a reason why I think it was Lippy who said, you know, reread the Organon every year. I think he mm-hmm. said actually twice a year, cover to cover. <laughs> And that, you know, he really only started to understand it, you know, after he had been in practice for like 40 or 50 years. I'm probably butchering that anecdote, but it's really close. And I was just going to say humble. That the, the Organon is uh, for the listeners. Uh, you can maybe can you tell us a little bit about uh, what the Organon exactly is? Because a lot of our listeners are not going to know. And I just want to thank you with all my heart for reading out the Organon bit by bit on your podcast, because I have not been reading it every year. I know we're supposed to, but it is just such dry reading and your beautiful accent <laughs> has really made it much easier to listen to. So could you maybe tell our listeners what the Organon is? Yeah, absolutely. So the or- the Organon would be kind of considered like the you know, the Bible of homeopathy or the, the ultimate instruction manual, um, Samuel Hahnemann is, you know, the founder, the father of homeopathy. And this is his, the book that he wrote, that is his life's work that explains the theory, the philosophy and the practice of homeopathy. Um, and there are six editions and each one, well, from the fourth edition, to the fifth edition, to the sixth edition, there's a little bit of a difference with how he dealt with potency. Um, and Denise is the person you should talk to about that because she's, that's her, (laughs) that's her, her wheelhouse of research. But yeah, the Organon is, it's, it's broken up in these little um, paragraphs called aphorisms. And each one is, gives a specific kind of instruction or illustrates a point and they build on each other. And it can be very tedious to read, but everything that Mm -hmm. you need to know about how to identify what needs to be cured, how to prescribe a remedy, and then how to manage a case and how to manage the remedy is found Mm -hmm. in that book. And it's a good insight into the mind of the man who started homeopathy, Samuel Hahnemann as well. Like you really get an idea for him as a person, I think, reading it and his mind and his thoughts. Yeah. And one of the things that's really striking about it, I find, is that, you know, even though this was, you know, over 200 years ago, what he was working against in the medical practices of the time is really what we are still dealing with. It's just a different, it's just a different you know, we just have a different technology. We just have different substances, but, but allopathic medicine has not changed really in its approach. It remains extremely relevant in that sense. Mm-hmm. It really does. Um, something else, what you were mentioning before was about um, the lady who was working with homeopathy for people who are dying. And I wanted to touch on that because, you know, homeopathy is so ingrained in my DNA now that uh, I use it as it's the first thing that I grab for. It doesn't matter what happens, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, homeopathy is my first go-to. So whenever people say, oh, I have this or this thing, can homeopathy help? I'm like, yes, of course it does. And I always have a little giggle at our receptionist because she used to come in into my room and she'll say, 
do do you have a remedy for this? And I was like, yes, of course, we have a remedy for everything. Mm-hmm. And now she comes to me a year and a half later saying, I'm not going to ask you if you have a remedy. I know you do. What is the remedy for? <laughs> and, you know, some people might not think about homeopathy for people who are dying, but it is, it's so powerful that I always say there is a homeopathic remedy for everything. It's not necessarily going to cure everything, but you know, if somebody is on their deathbed, you're not going to cure them, but you can give them a homeopathic remedy to help them on a mental, emotional level to accept this transition that they're going through. You know, a lot of people don't think about using homeopathy for that, but really it can be useful wherever you are, at whatever stage in your life you are. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So just before we finish off, I would love to hear your top three remedies for you personally. What are they and why do you love them? Yeah, I, actually, that's easy because I, I have this cute little leather case that I, I think I bought it from Helios and it holds mm-hmm. three remedies in it and you can put it on your keychain. So I put in aconite, arnica and ledum. Aconite because, you know, it's when you're out and about is when you're maybe most likely to stumble into something that is unexpected, you know, could be mm-hmm. a car accident, could be like a fright or a shock, or you start feeling mm-hmm. a tickle of a sore throat or something. But, you know, aconite, for almost any condition, you know, at the start of it, aconite's the thing. So, and that was the remedy that my son got when he was born. So I, you know, I'm partial to that. And then, you know, Arnica, you know, kind of similarly, I mean, Arnica for shock, but definitely for the the trauma aspect, for the first aid aspect, Arnica is, you know, a much deeper remedy than we often think of it as it kind of gets relegated to the bumps and bruises category, but it's actually good for so many things. And Leadum really, because where I live, you know, and that's probably the one I might, I might rotate in and out depending on the season, but, um, we have a lot of ticks here and there's a lot of fear and kind of freak out where I am about ticks and getting a tick bite. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm out in the woods a lot with my dogs. And Mm -hmm. so yeah, taking some leadum for a, for a tick bite is we knock on wood have never gotten Lyme disease in my house and we do not change our activities at all. Um, Amazing. I've used Leadum prophylactically as well. So we have a lot of ticks over here as well. And um, often when we're going into the bush, we'll take a dose of Leadum before we go out and Mm. you can actually see the difference. It's quite amazing. Like we just no ticks on us. Whereas if I forget to take it before we go out, we'll come back and there'll be ticks everywhere. So you can even use it prophylactically. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say Arnica obviously is such a favorite and um, I've just recently got a new logo and I've got the Arnica Daisy in my logo. I am passionate about Arnica. Uh, They say that uh, God created Arnica so that even the skeptics can believe in homeopathy. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, I don't know if you had this, I think it was in the nineties. There was this whole commercial campaign talking about how marijuana was the gateway drug, you know, to Mm -hmm. to kids. And and so I think, you know, for us, Arnica is kind of the gateway remedy. It's like you start with (laughs) Arnica and it's the thing that kind of like, Oh, wait, what this work? What else? What else is there? Cause this works so well. Yeah, and it's so amazing how many very mainstream people have used Arnica off the shelves at the chemist or whatever and never even realized that it was a homeopathic remedy. So that's always really funny as well. So, Kelly, if people want to get hold of you and find out more about what you do, can you please do a little plug for yourself here at the end and let us know um, how we can get, get in touch with you to find out more about what you do? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So my website is www.concentrichealing.com. And that's really where you'll find out most things about me. Um, There's a way to 
send me a message on there. And then the podcast is 1M, a homeopaths podcast, and it is available on iTunes and um, Stitcher and I think most platforms. Um, There's five years worth of episodes on there. And they're coming from the perspective of a homeopath. I know lots of people listen um, and has attracted a few, not a few students. So um, Mm -hmm. regardless, I think of where you're at in your interest in homeopathy, there, there might be something in there of interest. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Was there any last little messages or things that you wanted to mention? Um, just, I am so excited you're doing this. It really, it makes me so happy that, you know, the podcast inspired you to start your own. It's, I encourage other people to start them because, you know, like we said, you can, hearing about homeopathy from lots of different voices, from lots of different perspectives, just mm-hmm. continues to reinforce it and, and helps people take it in deeper. So, um, you know, best of luck to you. This is awesome. And thank, thank you, you so much. It's completely all thanks to you because yeah, in your podcast, you often say, you know, you guys need to get out there and start your own podcasts. And, um, I just love it. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye.